0: You can spend all day trying to figure everything out like I did before, but the second that you jump in and decide to start taking action, a whole different world opens up to you and you learn a lot as you go.
1: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Patrick Menifee. How you doing, Patrick?
0: Hey, Joe. I'm good. How are you?
1: Well, I'm doing well and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Patrick. He's the founder of Invest DGP. He served in the Army for six years, so thank you, sir, for that, and he started investing in June of 2019. He owns 12 units, and he's located in Charlotte, North Carolina. So with that being said, Patrick, you want to give the best of our listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Joe, and thanks for having me on. So like you mentioned, six years in the Army, right out of college, and then I ended that in about in February, 2018 transitioned into financial services, consulting, working with banks, financial institutions, basically traveling every week for the last two years. As I moved and transitioned to Charlotte, that was when I realized that I wanted to get involved in real estate in some facet or another. I just wasn't quite sure what. So I turned 30 towards the end of 2018. And that was when I kind of started setting some goals for myself, realized what I wanted to get to. And I spent a lot of time over the next six to seven months doing a lot of education, networking, listening to podcasts, meeting as many people as I could, reading all the books that I could get my hands on. And it was in, as you mentioned, June of the following year of 2019 that I really decided to start taking action. And then within about five weeks, I had 10 units under contract. They were all small multifamily, one of them a fourplex. Another one was a portfolio of three duplexes that were all side by side. The fourplex I took down by myself and then the duplexes were all with a partner. So once I had a little bit of a foundation, but once everything was I actually made that decision to take action, everything happened rather quickly after that. So as you mentioned, now I own 12 by the end of the year. The other two units are also a small multifamily with a partner as well. And that's really been my focus right now has been small multifamily property, ultimately getting into some of the bigger commercial, but primarily small for right now.
1: You were doing a lot of education, and then when you decided, okay, now it's time to rock and roll, In five weeks you had 10 units under contract, what was the tipping point where you made the decision, now it's time to go buy some property?
0: Actually, I had purchased my own primary residence back in March, and the company and the guy that I bought it through, they were having a networking event. I still remember the day. It was June 6th. And I was networking with people, talking to some people. I had my plan initially, which was going to be to use the VA loan and kind of leapfrog houses and slow roll it and live in a house for a year, rent it out. I know it's kind of my plan. It maybe pick something up along the way if it made sense. But there was one couple that I was talking to and I can't even tell you exactly what they said, but it was that exact conversation that hit me. And I realized that they had a couple of condos that they were renting out. They were actually doing what I wanted to do. And something right there just really kicked me and said, why aren't you just taking action? And after that conversation, I dove in. And that was when I found, I actually, the fourplex, I technically didn't get under contract until July, but I found it about a week later and started the negotiations with the seller. So <laughs> it happened very quickly.
1: Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you had just built up knowledge and things were bubbling, 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 and then there was some sort of breaking point, and perhaps in retrospect, it's kind of an insignificant conversation, like maybe it was similar to other conversations that you had previously, but you were just ready. It was just that time, and this conversation just happened to be at the right point in place and time where it just made you have that decision.
0: Yeah, it absolutely did. I'd probably had similar conversations five or six times a month before that, but that one just did it.
1: Well, let's talk about your purchases, those 10 units. You did the fourplex yourself, you said, and then you got three duplexes side by side with a partner. How did you structure those transactions with the partner?
0: It was interesting. It was kind of a mix of by accident, the way that it finally worked out, and then just some Overall planning, I was looking for a partner on it, and I had been doing a lot more networking and branding to let people know what I was doing. So as a result, some people from work were interested in working together on a deal. So I was talking to one of my really good friends that I was in the Army with, and we were talking through some of the options for how I might split this up and how I might pull off a partnership with him, especially because a guy was going to be someone out of state, was primarily just going to be investing cash. We worked out some terms that we thought made sense. And then at the end of it, I could work with this guy, but I didn't even think to ask, do you want to do this? And do you want to get involved instead? And he said, sure. So we worked out the terms, he brought the majority of the cash to it and I did everything else. So ended up, because it was six units and this was something I wasn't totally prepared for at the time, but since it was six units, I couldn't get a conventional mortgage. So I had to get a commercial loan. And then on top of that, the way that we worked out the negotiation and we worked out the partnership was he was providing the majority of the cash but i was going to be primarily on the loan so that was not something that i could typically do going through most of the normal Fannie freddy loans because if you provide that money it either needs to sit in your account for two months or it needs to be from someone who's also on the loan so we structured it that way and then we split the equity accordingly me doing all the management and all the activities and all of the primary effort the slightly bigger portion but we basically worked it out in a way that worked out perfectly for both of us.
1: Reminds me of the saying, if you ask for money, you'll get advice. If you ask for advice, you get money.
0: <laughs> I gotta write that down. That's a good one. <laughs> that's what
1: happened here, right? You're asking him for advice. Yeah. You got money.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely what happened.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you said you got a larger portion of, is it each of the three deals based off of your responsibilities? Yeah. So it's how, very how close to 50, 50,
0: 50, but
1: yeah. So for 60, 40.
0: It's 55
1: 45 Okay, got it. We so yeah, very close.
0: Yeah. We, on this one, it worked out really well. We basically set, based on the fact that I was going to be doing all of the work, we set the all-in cash as a percentage of the investment. So we basically said 50% of the investment is going to be for the cash. So if you bring 100% of that, you get 50% of the deal. If you bring 50% of that, you get 25% of the deal. So that was how we worked it out. He brought 90% of the cash and got 45% of the deal.
1: With the three duplexes, are they located in Charlotte?
0: They're just north of Charlotte. They're about 45 minutes north in Statesville, North Carolina.
1: Okay. And what about the fourplex?
0: That one's just west. All of mine are just surrounding the Charlotte area just because multifamily is hard to come by with solid cash flow within Charlotte. So the fourplex is in Gastonia. Okay.
1: Okay. How did you come across the fourplex?
0: It was on the MLS actually. It had been sitting on the MLS for almost six months.
1: Huh. Why do you think it wasn't snatched up?
0: (laughs) As I'm still dealing with it, because it was a nightmare. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They had it listed way too high. It was an older couple that had a large portfolio that they were selling. So this was one of them. They had it listed at 210. I ended up After negotiating with them, I ended up getting it down to 160, which was fantastic. But I think the 210, yeah, I think that was a big part of it too. A lot of people saw 210 and said, "Absolutely not, I'm not interested in that" because it was way overpriced at that. But at 160, it worked out. So I think that was a big part of it. And it's also a hundred-year-old house. They didn't take care of it all too well. Just kind of got neglected over time. And it was an old farmhouse that got converted into a fourplex. So it was kind of the perfect storm of. Not too great, yeah. but a great opportunity.
1: So talk to us about some challenges that you've had with it.
0: Oh boy, where do I start? How long did you say we have? (laughs) I had problems from the acquisition part initially, not even getting into what the house was. So after I got it under contract, started going through the due diligence process. I got it under contract at the beginning of July and was supposed to close at the end of July. Uh I wound up closing on September Uh 13th instead of July 29. Wow! Yeah. Almost lost the deal a couple of times. I had four closing dates scheduled and I had three different appraisals done.
1: What's going Uh, on?
0: The first time around, the first appraiser, I learned one very important lesson that I will at any point share with as many people as I can, and that's never have your inspector and your appraiser go out to the property at the same time. I now will base all of my properties around that because the inspector looked at some of the stuff of the house. He was just having a casual conversation with people that were around him, pointing out a bunch of problems. They um, love to talk. What he happened to, point they,
1: they, they love yeah. to They love to share their knowledge.
0: Yeah. And he's a great guy and he yep. he's inspected all of my properties, but he just said it to the wrong guy.
1: Yep. So, hey, he's doing his job. He's inspecting the property and documenting everything, right? Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, <laughs> the appraiser also documented that. So... I had it under contract for 160 and he appraised it at 160, but he appraised it as, I think it was a C4 or a C5, so it was in too poor of a condition for banks to loan on. And I went in the inspection report and it wasn't like he cited specific things, he just cited comments from the inspector. So aside from getting it reappraised, I couldn't go fix a certain thing and then get it back. So I went a different route, got a different appraiser. The next appraiser did the inspection, actually went out and got the inspection done. And then no one ever heard from him again, just fell off the map.
1: Oh, yeah, that, that's very strange. That is very strange. Okay.
0: And then I finally got a third one. He did do the inspection, was very slow about all of it. He actually submitted the report. But when he submitted the report, he left the address off, which then took another week to get.
1: Goodness yeah, I don't gracious. know how he left the
0: address off of the report. Yeah, that could have been a sign up front of things to come. But finally got it closed. It had tenants in it, which I thought at the time was a good thing because I could go one by one and keep producing cash flow while rehabbing each one of the units. And that turned out to be a huge problem. I've evicted two of them. Dealing with the units themselves has been definitely challenging just because of how poorly they were taken care of. And then one of the tenants on the way out, she, I think I would say out of spite, she never registered any maintenance requests or anything like that. But on her way out, she called the city and- registered a complaint. So I had a city inspector out there and all that kind of stuff. So,
1: What was the complaint?
0: It was just a general complaint of code violations. Hmm. I had interacted with her before when I was out there doing some other work. And she had also said in other cases, she had talked about the lease and said how the lease was full of landlord-tenant violations. And I have a property manager that manages all of it. And I was asking her about it. It's not something that we want to do. What's wrong with it? What do we need to do? And she Mm -hmm. said, well, it's just old. So, it's one of those lessons in dealing with tenants. So, there's nothing that's ever going to be right.
1: Yep. Some people you can't please no matter what.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. So, where are you at with the business plan right now?
0: Overall, on the six units initiated the refinance yesterday. On the three duplexes? Yes.
1: Right. No, I'm talking about the fourplex. You were talking about the fourplex. Oh, before, I'm sorry. Right? Yeah, I'm so, sorry. So when you where, said the business,
0: I thought you meant overall.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah. So with the fourplex, where's the business plan at?
0: That one, I have two units that the rent has been increased, made modest updates to them. Would eventually like to go in and do a little bit more, but kept the current tenants in and got a pretty good ROI on the improvements that I did make. Almost doubled the rent for each of those two units.
1: Tell us the numbers, um, please.
0: Yeah. So when I took over, all four units were at 350 apiece. So fourteen hundred dollars a month total rent. I'm now getting from the two units that I did, I put up probably about thirty five hundred dollars into those two units and increased rent to thirteen fifty between the two. So pretty solid return on investment.
1: Wait. Let me make sure I'm hearing that right. You put in thirty five hundred per unit, correct? So seven thousand total.
0: No, 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 I'm sorry. Thirty five hundred total.
1: Okay. Even better. <laughs> so you, so you yeah. one $1,750 total and let's just do unit by unit. That one unit is now renting for how much more?
0: One unit is up to 650. The other unit's up to 700.
1: Wow. That's incredible.
0: Yeah. It's a pretty solid return on investment.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let's just do $700 one. So that's doubling your rent from 350 to $700 Wow, it's quite the increase if you hadn't improved those units and you just turned them over to a new tenant, could you have increased the rent at all from three fifty and if so, by how much?
0: yeah, I could have I probably could have turned them to about five hundred or so, okay, so
1: there was already value add built into it
0: yeah, there absolutely was those units hadn't been i mean. I think the rent had been kept the same for, I can't even speculate. I have no idea. For a very long time, they hadn't been touched in a while. So mm-hmm. there was definitely room to start with.
1: Nice. So you increased the rent 350 and you put in 1750 correct? Yes. So that's 20% return on those renovation dollars. Nice job.
0: Yeah, I can't really complain about that. The other right. ones are getting to be a little bit more. And the one thing that I will say in the caveat is because they are lived in there was a lot of stuff that I wasn't doing. So I didn't rip out and replace all the cabinets. I just kind of updated what was there and did some stuff in the bathroom and replaced flooring where I could and all that kind of stuff. But doing a full sweep of it, it will definitely, when I eventually get there, it'll cost a little bit more, but it'll also further increase rent by probably another $50 to $100 a month.
1: That area supports those additional rent increases?
0: Well, I guess given the current situation, I don't know how much rent increases are going to happen, but generally, yes. Okay. Got it.
1: Well, now I interrupted you on the financing for the three duplexes. Will you pretend I did not interrupt you? And what were you you saying about that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry about that. We had gone through the commercial loan because they were all three on the same property when I bought them. The first thing that I did was subdivide them. So they're all each on their own property now. And that way I have a lot more flexibility if I need to sell one off to recoup some cash or whatever I need to do. So I'm refinancing them also into 30 year fixed. So initiated the refile last night. It's definitely not a full burr. Neither of them are going to be. Definitely not going to pull out everything that I put into it. But on this one, and especially the six units, because I only put in 10% of the down payment to start with. I'm not going to see personally a big return, but I'm going to get my investor about somewhere between fifteen dollars to $25,000 back. And I know that's a, I hate to give that big of a range, but with the whole electronic appraisal and everything that they're doing with the virus, I'm less confident in my numbers now than I was a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yep. And just for the best ever listeners, we are recording this in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. So I recognize that this episode airs many months after we actually record it. So when he says virus, that's what he's referring to. So the interesting thing that I heard, or one of the interesting things that I heard from you is that one of the first things you did was subdivide the three so that you have more flexibility. I thought I heard you say that you got a commercial loan on it initially. If I heard that correct, how did the conversation go with the lender where you said, hey, I know I'm getting this commercial loan, but i have actually like to subdivide it and break it up?
0: That's a great question. The lender that I used is a regional lender. So I had the conversation with him up front. I let him know what ultimately I was trying to do and laid out essentially the full roadmap. I'm looking to purchase these, I'm looking to subdivide, them. I'm looking to rehab them, and then ultimately looking to refinance into a fixed loan. So I had multiple conversations with a lot of different lenders before I settled on this guy. And a lot of places weren't okay with it, and understandably so. But as long as, basically it was, as long as when I refinance, everything is done at the same time and they're made whole on the back end, everything was A-okay.
1: What gave you the idea to subdivide?
0: That's a good question. I knew the conventional 30-year fixed route, and I knew that that was a way to get there. So that was really the only plan that I really had all along. But as far as what triggered it out at the very beginning... I think it was just because that was mostly what I knew and I realized that it was a possibility that would likely add value, but also give me a lot of flexibility.
1: Absolutely. In my opinion, it's an advanced thought process for you to think that way. So bravo to you on that. And It's always good to have more flexibility than less, and especially you can get more favorable residential financing even better and get some of your money back out. I mean- there's so many yeah. reasons. And I would guess that more than 50% of investors would miss that part of the process and not subdivide. And first off, not think about it. And then secondly, if they thought about it, not go through the process that's required in order to subdivide. So bravo to you on that.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I think that's one of the big takeaway for anybody. I had no experience with subdividing. I had no idea what I was doing, but... Everything is easy enough if you just start taking action and figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I made a couple of calls and I started asking people and you, who was your asked first people call? in my network. And I called my real estate agent and asked him if he knew anybody that did subdivision or anybody that he had worked with as a surveyor. And then next call after that was to the city to ask them what they recommended and what needed to be done.
1: And then who ultimately was the point person that you got a lot of help from?
0: Everything after I had that initial conversation with the city planner and she kind of just laid out what needed to be done, I used the contact that my real estate agent gave me who was a surveyor and he took care of everything. He went out and about the only involvement that I really had, my initial thought was I didn't even necessarily know if I wanted to separate all three individually and I wasn't sure if I could because of some of the setback. So we had a couple of conversations on that and he just showed me some of the property lines from before because it used to be split as well. So he showed me some of those options and said that we can just revert back to what it was. And Not only did I get all three split out, but I also saved money from what I thought I was going to pay because he just went back to the previous line. So credit to him. He did a great job and took care of all of it for me.
1: Bravo. Based on your experience to date, what's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I think the biggest thing is what I mentioned before, just dive in and start taking action. You can spend all day trying to figure everything out like I did before, but the second that you jump in and decide to start taking action, a whole different world opens up to you and you learn a lot as you go. Mm -hmm.
1: We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Bob Malecki and his team at Resolution Capital Management partner with individuals to invest in distressed residential mortgage notes. If you're interested in doing a joint venture with them, where basically you invest alongside with them and share in a portion of the profits based on how well that individual project goes, then go to jv. That's jv. Best ever book you've recently read?
0: Tribe of Millionaires. I just finished it a couple days ago. I read it in about two hours, couldn't put it down. Speaking about the importance of accountability and mastermind and really being involved in something bigger than yourself. So it's got me on the path to start some accountability groups.
1: What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we have not talked about already?
0: On that fourplex, the one thing we didn't talk about is I didn't listen to what the inspector said. I think I got a little bit excited and blinded by the first deal and the numbers on paper. His recommendation was to get everybody out there, all the contractors out there, plumber, roofer, electrician, all of that. I didn't end up getting all that stuff ahead of time, and now I'm working through all those pieces as I pull some of the other two units apart. So definitely not listening to an inspector.
1: Best ever deal you've done so far?
0: I think those three duplexes have got to be the best one. They've produced consistent cash flow the entire time. Having six units, if I have a vacancy, I've got five other units to cover it up. And it's really been a very solid investment and very good learning experience between the subdivision, the partnership, the commercial loan, the refinance. I've really run the full gamut on that one.
1: And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing?
0: Probably two best places are going to be my Instagram account. I try to post on there regularly with lessons learned and always respond to anybody that I can. So that's at investdgp. And then my website, investdgp.com, try to share a lot of what I'm doing. And then also anybody can reach out to me at any time, Patrick at investdgp.com.
1: Patrick, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for talking about some moves that you've made in your real estate ventures. One of them being buying three side-by-side duplexes that were all on one lot and then subdividing it and maneuvering around the financing as well as partnering up with a friend of yours to get those deals done and then also your business plan for the fourplex and the 20% return on the renovations that you're doing and the challenges that you overcame in order to get to that point with the inspectors and the appraiser and a couple other things. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. Talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate the opportunity.